everyone. Welcome to Are You Afraid of Ghosts? This is Jessica Gulliford and happy holidays to everybody. Um, I know we just got through uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, and New Year's. So happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to 2019. I'm going to get back into the swing of things and record every week. So so let's get started. So speaking of the holidays, um, I actually thought maybe tonight's topic could be surrounding the holidays and hauntings that happen at around Christmas time. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, I'm sure you can appreciate a good ghost story. So this is Are You Afraid of Ghosts? Um, I tell all different ghost stories that I read in articles, read in books, see on TV, listen to from real people that tell me their personal ghost stories. Um, which if you do have your own personal ghost story, please email us at areyouafraidofghosts at gmail.com. I'd love to hear them. If you'd love to be featured on our show or like to tell your story personally, I'd love to connect with you. Um, so just send me an email and we can make it happen. Um, the other thing is if you want to follow us on Twitter, um, we are on Are You Afraid? three and then we have a Facebook page that you can follow are you afraid of ghosts and we're also on Instagram as are you afraid of ghosts so um you know just reach out to us I'll try to post any pictures that I'm referring to in my episodes um you guys know how this works if this is not your first episode but if it is your first episode welcome um these don't have to be listened to in any particular order uh, I kind of just throw some stories together. Some of them have themes, some of them don't. But everybody loves a good ghost story. So let's dive in. So this um, this is all going to be about the Christmas ghosts. So hopefully you like it. So this uh, this is from a website called Cafe Mom Entertainment. And I thought this was pretty cool. So this is called The Bright Light and Calm Watchdog. I had an unusual visitor on Christmas Day, 2008, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't Santa Claus passing by my house in Bloomington, Indiana. The day started in typical fashion with the opening of gifts around the Christmas tree. I served an early Christmas dinner for family and friends, and everybody departed by 5 p.m., except my sister and brother-in-law who live with me. They were sleeping in a bedroom at the end of the hall with the door open. I went into my bedroom with my dog, Toby, and shut the door securely. I was just dozing off when I heard the latch on my bedroom door open. I waited several seconds for my sister or brother-in-law to ask me whatever they came to say, but there was no other sound. It was almost 7 p.m., so my bedroom was pitch black. I had left lights on in the kitchen and the bathroom, and there were lots of Christmas lights in the living room, so the hallway would have been well lit. I would be able to see whoever was at the door just by lifting my head. I pushed the blankets down and lifted my head from the pillow, but just as I would have been able to see who was in the doorway, an extremely bright light hit me right in the eyes. I shielded my eyes and yelled, turn out that blank, blank light. You're blinding me. The light immediately disappeared and I heard the bedroom door latch close. My, bed my bedside light is a touch lamp, so I tapped it on and looked around the bedroom. There was no one in the bedroom except me and Toby. Toby jumped off the bed and went to the door without showing any signs of alarm. At first, I wasn't frightened because Toby is a Dutch shepherd, well-trained to be an excellent watchdog and proven personal protection dog. 
Since Toby was already up, I decided to go let him outside and see what sis or brother-in-law needed. When I went into the hallway, I could see both of them still in bed. I took Toby to the living room to let him outside, and there was nobody there either. So who opened my bedroom door and turned a spotlight on in my face? Like most people, the thoughts of loved ones are always close at hand during the holiday season. When I first went to lie down, I was thinking how happy I was that my small family had enjoyed a pleasant Christmas. But it would have been so much better if my, bro- if my mother and brother had still been alive to share it with us. I would like to think it was my brother's spirit stopping by to say Merry Christmas. I still think of you too. I haven't been able to debunk this strange event or find any kind of rational explanation. I'm half afraid that my heart stopped during my sleep and the light I saw was the bright light people report after near-death experiences. Leave it to me to see the stairway of heaven and ruin my chance at eternal paradise by saying turn out the blank and blank light. I've made a mental note that if I ever see another bright light to clean up my language, just in case. Scarlet. (laughs) I like that one. The Returned Relative. It was Christmas time of 1995 or 96 at my aunt's house on a reservation in North Dakota. Some of my family was in the living room watching television. The kids were playing in the rooms or sleeping, and my uncle, aunt, and I were sitting at the table putting a puzzle together. My cousin, who worked at a casino, would come home around midnight or 1 a.m. This night, as she pulled up and was walking towards the house, she looked in the window and saw me sitting at the table. My uncle was sitting across from me and someone standing to the left of me and someone standing in the corner. So she continued to walk in the house, like thinking nothing of it. As we were sitting there talking, she looked at me and asked who was standing next to me a few minutes ago and who was in the corner. I told her no one. And she said, yeah, there was someone standing next to you. It looked like your mom and she was playing with your hair. I have long hair, which I used to wear down all the time. She said this person was running her hand on my hair like a mother does to a child. It kind of freaked me out, being I was probably only 12 or 13 at the time. My cousin swears up and down that someone was standing over me, rubbing my head, and watching me put the puzzle together with my aunt and uncle. And that there was another person standing behind this person. We got around to thinking it was probably her mom she saw. She passed away on her birthday a week before Christmas back in 1992. In my family, we consider our aunts and uncles to be just like our moms and dads. After thinking that it could have been her, it didn't scare me so much. However, we couldn't figure out who the person was standing in the corner. And always around Christmas time, something strange always happens. And we just think it's her visiting us. That's sweet. And a little creepy, though. Okay, this is called a haunted tree. My parents and I lived in a small home, a small home that was around 90 years old. This would have been this year, sorry, excuse me, the year would have been 1996. We lived there from the time I was seven years old to the time I was 19. From the very day that we moved in, I felt that I was not alone. One year around Christmas time, I was having a friend spend the night. The heat had just shut off briefly and she and I were sitting in the living room watching television when the temperature dropped substantially. As I rose up to turn up the heat, the Christmas tree began to shake violently. Ornaments were falling off right and left, and she and I were terrified. We ran upstairs and lay down on my bed. My white cat curled up with us, and my door was open slightly. When I gazed out at the dark hallway, I was horrified to see a tall white figure run down the hall. 
I had turned to my friend and she acknowledged that she had seen the same exact thing. She never spent the night ever again. I wouldn't either. And that was from Caitlin. This is called The Figure in the Recliner. My mother, to whom I was very close, passed away in 1964 when I was 17 years old. I left home that year and moved to Ontario from Nova, Nova Scotia. In 1969, I met a girl whom I will call Karen, and we got married in March of 1970. In December of 1971, we were expecting our first child. We were living in a small one-and-a-half-bedroom bungalow. There was a fireplace in the living room. My wife and I loved the fireplace, and we had it lit every night. It was Christmas Eve, 1971, and we had just finished putting the gifts under the tree, and a nice fire gave off a beautiful glow. On the tree, one, one string of lights, which was supposed to flash, had stopped several days before. It was five minutes to midnight when the fireplace suddenly just about went out, and the string of lights started to flash, and the other lights stopped flashing. My wife and I were sitting on the floor, and it had become very chilly in the room. I looked over to my lazy boy chair, and a figure was sitting there. My mother, with a big, beautiful smile on her face. My wife, who had never met my mother, said she could see the same thing. This ghost never spoke, but just kept looking at me and my wife and smiling. At twelve midnight, the fire in the fireplace started up again, and the lights on the tree stopped flashing, and the others started flashing again. I looked over in the chair, and the ghost was gone. No matter what I did to those Christmas lights, they never flashed again. Arthur. This is called The Ghostly Christmas Choir. On Christmas Eve night, 1978, at about 3 a.m. in Klamath Falls, excuse me, Oregon, I was suddenly awakened by a choir singing. The house was new construction, miles from the nearest church. I strained to hear any words that I could understand or a tune that I could identify, but I could not understand the language or tune. I did get a feeling of angelic exaltation, reverence, and gladness of heart. This was truly a heavenly choir lifting their voices on high, singing Hosanna in the highest, in an unknown tongue, without any accompaniment of instruments. I examined the television, but it was turned off, as was the radio. I explored outside, but the singing was not heard outdoors. The way the countless male, female, and children's voices entwined together, they had gone from... um. Operic high, opera, operatic highs to the deepest bass voices in perfect harmony. It must have lasted about 10 minutes, but it was touching for an eternity. Mel. Wow, that's crazy. Imagine just random singing. Okay, this is called Mysterious Universe Website. There are a lot of, uh, I'm sorry, this is not called that. Excuse me. This is from Mysterious Universe Website. I apologize. Okay. So um, this is a completely different site, but they had said that there are a lot of spooky paranormal occurrences tied to Christmas um, that seem, you know, they kind of revolve around certain places. Um, Everything is usually around Christmas time. England actually has several of these. And one of them is called a road called Hawkehurst Road. It's in Marden, Kent. It is mostly an unassuming road like any other in the area. But it was here that on one dark Christmas Eve in the 18th century, a notorious highwayman by the name of Gilbert stopped a horse-drawn carriage carrying a man and his daughter. 
According to the tale, the bandit had the daughter step out of the carriage, but before he could get to the father, the horses spooked and bolted away into the night along with the man, leaving the daughter there alone with this murderous madman of a thief looming over her. Made all the worse as she was hit with the horrifying realization that this was the very same highwayman who had killed her brother along that very same stretch of lonely road the year before. The leering pale face of the bandit came through the moonlight at her, but this young woman was no victim. She pulled out a knife she carried within her bag and in a desperate panic lashed out to plunge the weapon deep into the side of the undoubtedly very surprised Gilbert. As the criminal clutched at his bleeding wound, his daughter, I'm sorry, the daughter ran as fast as she could into the surrounding wilderness without looking back. Some amount of time later, the coach returned to find the highwayman sprawled out along the side of the road in bloody mud, having finally succumbed to his wounds, and he was unceremoniously buried right there in a shallow, unmarked grave. The lore says that they also found the daughter cowering amongst the moon, frosted trees, and supposedly completely stark, raving insane. Locals say that not only does the, the tall, shadowy form of the highwayman Gilbert stalk the road to this day terrifying motorists, but also that on every Christmas Eve, that fateful night plays out again and again, as if on an eternal loop, perhaps imbued um, into the sorry, excuse me, perhaps um, into the very location itself and only visible on this one night. There's another place in Kent that has its own Christmas haunting. That is the historical Hever, excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Hever Castle, located in the rolling countryside of the village of Hever, Kent. Originally built in around 1270 as a Walden country house surrounded by a moat, from between the years of 1462 to 1539. It was the seat of the rich and powerful Bullen family, who later became the Bullions. The original owner of the house, Henry Bullen, has a son, had a son named Thomas, who changed his name to Thomas Bullion, and ended up marrying Elizabeth Howard, the daughter of the Duke of Norfolk. The two had a daughter named Anne Bullion, um who would go on to create a major scandal at the time and who lies at the root of the castle's paranormal shadowing. Anne's sister, Mary, infamously began to have an affair with King Henry VIII, who was married to Catherine of Aragon. By all accounts, the king was truly unhappy with his marriage to Catherine and was also a real scoundrel with the woman, with the women, an incorrigible lech. Excuse me, incorrigible lech, that's what it says. Um, becoming bored with Mary and choosing to pursue Anne, who proved to be rather hard to get, spurning his advances and telling him that if he really wanted to be with her, he would have to divorce Karen, Catherine um, and marry her first. The king allegedly became obsessed with Anne, writing her dozens of letters professing his undying love for her like some lovesick schoolboy and generally being what we call today a creepy old man, all the while working on his divorce from his wife. In the meantime, Anne was given the title Anne Marchioness, March, March, I cannot talk tonight, guys, I'm sorry, of Pembroke, and was given money, royal lodgings, the works. 
Anne eventually gave in to his relentless advances and got pregnant with the King Henry Henry's child, after which they secretly married in 1533 and she became queen. At the time, she was not liked by the by the popul um by the population at all, with most thinking she was a seducer who had stolen the king away from the more popular Catherine. The whole thing was a fairly major scandal in the era. And it ended up leading to the king severing the relationship between England and the Catholic Church in Rome. Nevertheless, the two had their child, Elizabeth, and continued to defy all those who wanted to see them separated and who called her coronation an, abomina an abomination. Unfortunately for Anne, players with will play, and King Henry VIII was soon chasing skirts again, this time a bridesmaid at their own wedding. A young woman named Jane Seymour. <laughs> To make matters worse, they were, there were numerous rumors being tossed around that Anne was sleeping around with everything that moved, including incest with her own brother, and the king began to believe it. To say he did not take it well would be an understatement, and King Henry had Anne arrested, charged with treasonous adultery, and beheaded in 1536 at the Tower of London. The Hever Castle itself would go on to be passed around to different owners, including the famous American millionaire William Waldorf Astor in 1903, before finally coming to Broadland Properties Limited, who have put it on public display. Though it all, um, through it all, excuse me, one resident had remained the same through the centuries, and that is Anne Bullion herself. According to the book Haunted Castles of Britain and Ireland by Richard Jones, for reasons not entirely clear, her spectral form repeatedly appears every Christmas Eve upon the bridge on the property that spans the River Eden, slowly floating towards the castle, perhaps trying to come home from some other place, but inevitably fading and vanishing before she reaches the castle doors, doomed to repeat this the following year and the year after that, perhaps until the end of time. Wow, scandalous. All right. Um, also, in England, we they have this, um, they have a, st a stately ruse hall in Suffolk built in the 16th century. It is an imposing building with an undefinable spooky ambience and a twisted and gnarled monstrous looking old oak tree once used as gallows and pastimes sitting right out front which have perhaps contributed to the many ghost stories that originate from the hall to the point that is frequently referred to as one of the most haunted places in England. Some of these entities include the apparition of a little girl who creepily appears in one of the upstairs windows, a phantom hound that prowls the, gr the grounds, and there is even supposedly a footprint from the devil himself imprinted into one of the building's cupboards, but perhaps the most interesting and most frightening is a haunting that only occurs at Christmas time. It is said that every Christmas Eve, the intimidating presence of a ghostly phantom coach pulled by four snorting jet black horses will bloom from the night to come speeding down the road and up the driveway of the estate. Sitting in the driver's seat is a phantom of a man who is rather frighteningly missing his head. The coach is supposedly completely silent even as it draws closer and it will vanish just before reaching the hall proper the whole thing to be reenacted the following christmas eve who this headless coach driver is supposed to be and why he should appear only on christmas eve upon a carriage pulled by demonic black horses are anyone's guess 
but it has become very famous and a very famous piece of scary paranormal lore in the area. So they're kind of talking about, um, you know, there's residual hauntings. So, you know, they don't really know if some of these are true because they're so out of date, but They're saying these events can be witnessed almost on a continual loop at times. It is speculated that what they are actually seeing in these cases, they may not be ghosts, um, but maybe a memory somehow imprinted upon a place as an image is etched into film. Um, Why or how this might occur, you know, is unknown, but it basically could be caused by extreme emotions or trauma. So it, I mean, there's all different theories, Um, but I mean, I totally believe it in, you know, some people try to rationalize everything, but there's just some things you can't rationalize. Like what was that noise? Or why was there a light shining in my eyeballs when, you know, it was off or whatever it is. Like there's just some things that I don't know, but around Christmas time, it's supposed to be a joyful and happy time. And ghost ghosts usually aren't the topic of conversation. Um, unless you have one that maybe just loved one that recently passed away. So this one is actually called uh, Christmas Church Ghost. This was on a different site that I found and I really loved it. Um, So this is from Paulina. She says, I never really believed in supernatural stuff, but this incident made me believe otherwise. This was about nine years ago in Samoa. I was playing hide and seek with the other little kids from my mom's village of Satua, Western Samoa. Um, or Satu, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I was quite young then, so I was always followed by my older cousin around. I always followed my older cousin around. It was the middle of the night, and most of the kids were used to hiding anywhere in the dark. I wasn't used to it, as I was only there for the Christmas holidays. I actually live in Australia. Anyway, we all went to hide. Since we were all hiding in the graveyard, we all found our way around in the light that the church cast onto the graveyard. We all hid in the shadows and waited for the boy. We could all hear the boy coming, so we kept quiet. The boy was pretty loud, so we watched what he was making a fuss about. Excuse me. He had walked into the church as he thought that this, that his brother was hiding there. As he walked into the church, he later told us he saw a boy standing right at the front of the altar. He didn't know if it was his brother because the boy's back was turned. He ran up and tapped this boy on the shoulder. As soon as he did this, the strange boy disappeared. Our friend fainted. We went home to tell his parents and we returned with the boy's parents to find him still lying there, dead still. The parents took the boy home and we never played in the graveyard at night again. We later found out that the boy's brother had been at home the whole time And he hadn't been at the church at all. What really scared us was that the boy who fainted has been ill since that night and he still hasn't recovered to this day. Whoever it was in that church must have been pretty mad that we as kids just had disturbed him. Ah, that's terrifying. Okay. So this one's called Santa Stuffs the Stockings. When I was nine years old, I am 30 now. I could not get to sleep on Christmas Eve because I was excited about presents and wondered if my parents had anything to do with the gifts that I received from Santa the year before. That night it was hot because the heater was on. I lived in Texas, so I got thirsty. Also, I was wanting to spy. I got out of bed and cracked open my door to make sure no one was out of the living room 
So that way I could get something to drink. Uh, was out in the living room, excuse me. When I opened the door, I saw someone bent over. Then he stood up. It was Santa Claus, dressed in the red and white getup. Something strange was that I could see the Christmas lights from the tree shining through him. He was taking the stockings down off the mantle and placing them on the coffee table. When he started to turn around to put the next stocking on the table, I closed the door and jumped into bed. The next morning, I woke up and told my sister what I had seen. I told her where he put the stockings. When we went into the living room, the stockings were where I had. I said he had put them. We both turned and looked at each other and froze for a moment. From then on, I had told everyone I believe in Santa. That's from Misty. This is called Santa and an Elf. It happened near Seattle, Washington on Christmas Eve, 1957 or 58. My mom was at the kitchen window when she yelled for my sister and me, ages around, I don't know, five or seven, five and seven, to come look. There was Santa and an elf carrying a big brown bag walking down the middle of the street. My dad went running out the door to see if Santa would come say Merry Christmas to us, but Santa, the elf, and the big brown bag had vanished. This is called Santa at the Bedroom Door. It was 1961 on Christmas Eve. We were living in Boardman, Ohio. My bedroom was at the end of the house. I went to sleep on Christmas Eve. I don't know what time it was, but I know it was very late when I suddenly woke up. I was staring at my bedroom door, which was catty-cornered from my bed. The door slowly opened, and I squinted my eyes shut just a bit because I didn't want my mother or father to catch me up in the middle of the night. There was a nightlight in the hallway and one behind the dresser in my room, so there was some light. I was so astonished, however, at who opened the bedroom door. I found myself looking at a man dressed in a red suit. He had white trim around his waist, like fur, a long white beard, and was wearing a Santa hat. He had red pants and black boots. If I close my eyes, I can still see Santa standing in my door. It made such an impression on me. He stood there and looked at me for a few seconds, then closed the door. I pulled the blankets over my head for a while. I was so scared. Finally, I looked out, but no one was there. The next day, I asked my mother if she or my father had been out of bed the previous night. My mother said no. In fact, my sister was only four months old, and my mother said she had slept through the night for the first time, and neither of my parents had gotten up. They were tired, and they both slept. So I don't know who or what looked in my bedroom that night. I told my mother I saw Santa, and she got really mad at me and told me that I did not. But I know what I saw. It was Santa Claus, and I swear the story did happen. I know I wasn't dreaming. Carrie. So hopefully you all enjoyed your holidays, and I hope I didn't scare you too much. Good night.